Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Welcome to Israel and You, and today we're going to talk about uh, anti-Zionist curriculum in public schools. And I read a fascinating article, it just came out in the Jewish Journal on January 18th, read it a few days ago, and the title of this article is, Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Jew? Lies Taught About Israel and Jews in the Public School Classroom. And so this article is written by Naya Lecht, and it really covers a lot of the curriculum coming out of California public schools presently. And I want to read just the, the first opening paragraph of this article. As New York City public schools wipe Israel off the map in their classrooms, take note of public school classrooms in California. The California state-approved ethnic studies curriculum, rich with anti-Jewish and anti-Western content, has provided teachers an imprimatur to bring into the classroom lesson plans, handouts, PowerPoints, and tests filled with propaganda meant to instruct a generation of activists that Zionists are colonizers and must be rooted out, a euphemism for genocide. This educational malpractice is on display in Woodside High School and Menlo Atherton High School, both in the Sequoia Union High School District. In Woodside High School, a teacher of world history took the liberty to devote weeks to Israel and the conflict. In Menlo Atherton High School, a teacher of ninth grade ethnic studies and history broached the conflict with a unit titled Life in Palestine Today. In it, one will find the term Palestine designated to mean originally Arab land. Now the Palestinians are being oppressed by the Israeli government, according to this uh, curriculum. Um, introduction to the dominant narrative compels students to question stories told by people in power, such as men, white people, and rich people. One can only imagine, says Naya, uh, the agony of parents having to help their Jewish child study for the Israel-Palestine conflict quiz, where, among other things, the correct answer for Hamas, a terrorist organization that videotaped their joy on October 7 of the massacre of Jews in Israel, is a political party which is continuing to fight against Israel. So here to talk to me about this amazing article published just a few days ago in Jewish Journal is the author, Naya Lecht. And Naya is a scholar on contemporary anti-Semitism and works with the Jewish community to foster pride in the history of the Jewish people. Naya received her PhD in Russian literature from UCLA, where she wrote her dissertation on Holocaust literature in the Soviet Union. In 2018, Naya was a scholar in residence at Oxford University through the Institute for the Study of Global Anti-Semitism, known as ISGAP. A passionate educator and curriculum developer in 2019, Naya joined as director of education at Club Z, a Zionist youth movement. Under her leadership, she developed a curriculum on Jewish peoplehood, Zionism, and advocacy that is currently being used across the nation. In 
2022, Naya was a presenter at the National Teachers Seminar at the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation, where she taught Soviet literature and film. Naya is likewise a published author and most recently joined as educator editor uh, for White Rose Magazine, a nonpartisan digital publication dedicated to exposing extremism and reteaching classical liberalism. Naya is currently teaching Zionism, the history of anti-Semitism, and working on her book tentatively titled Zionism in the Diaspora, Reclaiming Israel Education. So Naya, uh, uh, we met this past summer at ISGAP's Oxford Seminar and uh, Oxford University in the U.K., and I was pleased to know you're, you spent time at UC Santa Cruz, where I, where I grew up. And uh, so we have a few things in common. And I just appreciate all you're doing in just bringing this to light, the, the uh, anti-Zionist curriculum taking place right now in, in public schools. So, Naya, welcome to Israel and You. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's um, really an honor for me to, to speak uh, about this topic, uh, albeit it's not a very pleasurable one. But this article really deserves uh, quite a bit of attention because right now what we're seeing is a whole cohort of students in California and in New York, but uh, more so in California, that are sitting through public school classrooms in social studies, ELA, um, uh, ethnic studies, uh, elective classrooms, where they are being basically taught or rather indoctrinated with material that's not that much different than educational, and I use that in quotes, material coming out of UNRWA schools where uh, poor children in, in Gaza and the um, territories in Judea Samaria are also being indoctrinated to hate the Jewish people and the state of Israel. So it's very important, and I'm really glad that you decided to uh, spotlight this issue. Yeah, it's huge, Naya, and um, especially for public school teachers that are listening to this podcast, of which there are many, and I think it'll be a great encouragement for them, your article and you know your vision to, to change the narrative. So give us just a little background of how you got into this. I mean, you're a UCLA-trained PhD, but how, how did you just grab this vision, this burden, to change this narrative in public school anti-Zionist curriculum? Well, it's a journey, um, but you're right. I began... Um, as, as a, somebody who is trained in literary criticism, uh, and my field is Russian literature and Holocaust studies, uh, the Holocaust in the Soviet Union. But as I was teaching students in university, I saw anti-Zionism was growing and growing on university campuses. And the other thing that I saw, which was uh, Jewish organizations, Jewish institutions, legacy organizations, really scrambling, trying to confront this anti-Semitism. And they were, and I thought, well, I'm really passionate about education. I'm really interested in creating curriculum. I think that I, I was curious what's out there in terms of education on the history of anti-Semitism. And I, what I found was that there really wasn't that much. And this was around the year 2016, 2017. I found that there wasn't really uh, a whole lot out there in terms of a robust, nuanced, important, comprehensive curriculum on, on the Jewish people and the story of anti-Semitism. So I thought, well, I think I need to to devote a lot of time and, and, and energy to understanding how to put this together. Uh, so it's been a few years, and uh, I met a lot of students and parents who 
uh, turned to me because they knew that I was working on a curriculum and I taught at different high schools and I taught at university courses like seminars on the history of anti-Semitism. And they were telling me that things are getting quite bad in the classroom in California. And then it, I think in the year, I think it was right around COVID 2019 to 2020, what happened was that the ethnic studies curriculum finally, and I say finally because people who are listening to this should know that the ethnic studies curriculum is 12, at least 12 years in the making, meaning mm -hmm. We found uh, the Jewish community found out about it in 2019, 2020, as it finally made its way to the desk of California Governor Newsom. Uh, and so he, uh, if he would sign the curriculum to mandate it, everyone started, and then they started looking at the curriculum. They, start, they started to kind of open it up and, and they were in shock at what they were seeing. But we came in, if you, if you will, like 12 years too late. Wow. Uh, this curriculum has been as I say, in the making for over a decade, it's passed several boards, several regional um, districts, and slowly inched, inched its way to becoming a California uh, mandated curriculum. It's not yet mandated, but it has been approved. So what, what's ended up happening, and I'm going to speak in the state of California, is the state of California is trying to make it that every student who graduates a high school in California, in order for them to uh, get the full credit, they have to take a, a, a ethnic studies. Hmm. And ethnic studies is written by a group of educators who are really, they're masquerading as educators, they're activists and propagandists. Hmm. And if you open the curriculum of ethnic studies, it's basically a vision of where there's no Israel, uh, Israel is a colonizer, Zionism is racism, Zionism is settler colonialism, America is terrible. Um, and so where we're at right now in the state of California is that though this curriculum has not yet been mandated, it's been approved, which in many ways, I would say is worse, because what it does is it signals to educators, to school administrators, well, if you want to teach the ethnic studies curriculum, here it is. Right here, we have it, right. and all these teachers are using this, these, these sources, these incorrect sources. So it's and and, and we're seeing it, and, and I'm gonna tell the listeners right now, we're gonna see it double. It's gonna get worse and worse. That's how I came to really study the what was happening in the California public school system. Is parents and students were coming to me and complaining, and finally, I think about a month ago, in how this article came about is a group of parents are really forming grassroots or like they're mobilizing mm -hmm. is enough they're upset these are their taxpayer dollars are going to fund schools that are teaching not just jewish kids but all kids about the big bad jew the now you know israel is proxy for jew and and so they said to me well can i send you some education what we're, what we're seeing in our classrooms like i said yes yeah, so go ahead I get an email with about 36 documents, in the, as I say, in the form of PowerPoints. Um, I didn't even get into the videos that are being shown in classes, um, quizzes and tests, uh, handouts. And so it took me about a good two months to sit with the material, analyze it, go through it, comb through it, and realize, oh my goodness, it's really terrible. Right. Uh, it's really terrible. I, I like what you say <clears throat> towards the end of the article. At its core, the problem with the ethnic studies curriculum in California is not that it is anti-Semitic, 
but that it is anti-truth. I write and say what the teacher wants to hear because I need the grade, a sophomore in the Sequoia High School District told me, even though I know it is a lie. Adapting to lies, uh, Butrus's ideological tyranny, how can we demand courage from our youth when they are being desensitized to lying? Do not, therefore, ask them to seek truth, for as George Orwell writes, in times of universal deceit, telling the truth will be a revolutionary act. And so what, what troubles me is at the core of what you're saying is that um, these, this curriculum is, is basically fomenting not only anti-Zionism, but historical uh, lies. I mean, they, they, don't, they can't back this up. And what I love about your article is like, when I read it and I was like, wow, this is just, for a public school educator, it, this needs to be in the hands of every, everyone that, that uh, loves truth. Because you just mm-hmm. take this stuff apart, point by point by point. And it's like, Naya was probably a lawyer at some point in her life. No, I mean, you, you no, just, no. it was like you were arguing a case. And it, so lie number one, and, and this was an amazing lie to me. During his life, he, Jesus, traveled around northern Palestine. And so tell us, tell us uh, Naya, why that's a lie. Sure. I do want to just say a few things. I, I want sure. to preface this by saying, that as a as a scholar of anti-semitism the history of anti-semitism if we zoom out and understand that the jewish people are no strangers to lies and libels so i think that we are living through what i call the great occupation lie in this era Hmm. Uh, we've lived through the blood libel lie we've lived through the protocols of the elders of the you know world domination fomented by the, uh, the the protocols of elders of zion uh forged document so if, 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 we, if we just step aside and go, okay, you know what? This is no different than all the other lies that have been spread and waged against the Jewish people. That's number mm-hmm. one. But number two is how do you take them down? So lie number one. So this line during his life, he, Jesus, traveled around Northern Palestine actually came out of a document. So the teacher gave, gave the students a handout on the three monotheistic religions. Um, there was one on Judaism, one on Christianity, and one on Islam. And the one on Christianity said that during his lifetime, Jesus traveled around northern Palestine. But here's the thing. That line is historically inaccurate. It's anachronistic. Because during Jesus' lifetime, the term Palestine did not exist. He didn't live in Palestine. He lived in Judea, which was a province, an autonomous province in the Roman Empire. No person living in the time of Jesus would have called it Palestine. So, but, but here, and, and so that's a lie. But what's mm-hmm. so dangerous about this lie is that it further pushes and promulgates this notion that there was once a sovereign Palestinian kingdom, Muslim Palestinian kingdom, which there was not. So right. And the Romans, right they now. came up with that, that word. <clears throat> they called it when, when they drove the Jews out in 70 AD and destroyed the temple. Uh, that's right. And the Jews were dispersed. Uh, they they said we we never want a Jew uh, to come back to this land of Judea, Samaria, the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. And um, so they say that there was not uh, too many trees left standing 
in Jerusalem because the Romans had cut them all down to make crosses to uh, crucify Jews all throughout mm-hmm. uh, Israel. And so they drove them out, never wanting them to return. So they, they said this region is now called Philistia uh, after mm-hmm. the Philistines, mm-hmm. who had, which was a... Uh, the arch enemies of, of the Jewish people. Right, but they had been dead for a couple thousand years. They, mm-hmm. they didn't yeah, exist yep. anymore. So the Romans, desiring to erase Jewish identity out of the land, uh, called the land uh, Philistia, which later became Palestinia. And so, again, what, what you're saying now is, is so true that, you know, for, for uh, Palestinian people today to say that, you know, we are this lost generation, this land was always ours, doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. It's, it's uh, a figment of their imagination. Right, but think about what this, as an educator though, think about what this signals to students when they're reading this line. During his lifetime or during his life, he, Jesus traveled around Northern Palestine. And if you know nothing and you trust, there's this uh, contract between student and teacher of, of I, I, as student, trust that you and the teacher bestow upon me knowledge and information to make me more educated, to make me uh, see the truth, et cetera, et cetera. So you read this line as a student and because you trust your, your teacher, that's it. You're, it you, in your mind, you've solidified that, wow, this land known as Palestine has been in existence for hundreds and thousands of years as a sovereign Muslim Arab uh, country or kingdom. That's the danger educationally, and that's why I call it educational malpractice, is that these lies have detrimental effects. The same thing is happening in Christian education. Uh, there is an organization, it's called uh, Christ at the Checkpoint, and it's held in Bethlehem every other year, and there are hundreds of evangelical leaders that attend this uh, conference led by anti-Zionists, and so the idea of Christ at the Checkpoint is Jesus is Palestinian. Uh, because he was born in Bethlehem, he's a Palestinian, and he's on the other side of the checkpoint in um Bethlehem looking over the the wall, you know, wanting to come into Israel, but being uh, forbidden because he's a Palestinian. So the same narrative is being taught in in, uh, Christian universities and Christian schools as well. Unbelievable. Um, Yeah. Another lie you talk about is lie number two. Although the population of the Holy Land was very diverse, the majority of people who were living in Palestine around 1900 were ethnically Arab and majority Muslim, and and that's that's a lie that I would say it, it, it's so easy to refute. I mean, if someone just looks up in the history books of who populated uh, the territory uh, during the Ottoman Empire, that the Jewish people there was always a presence. So mm-hmm. tell us, how do you refute that that lie, Naya? Well, simply just like you said, it's the most. I mean, you all you have to do is really go and look up demographics of the Holy Land or demographics of Jerusalem or uh, Israel uh, in 1900 or 18, late 19th century. And you'll find that it's, you know, there's records, they, there were census reports that in 1896, for instance, the majority of denizens in Jerusalem were Jews. So they were 62% Jews in 1896. There were about 48% in 1870s of Jews in, in Jerusalem. Um, 
And and here's the other thing is that <laughs> you see that lie again says, I'll just repeat it again. Although the population of the Holy Land was very diverse, the majority of people were living in Palestine around 1900. Again, that historical um, anachronism, meaning that in 1900, who is the owner of that region? It was the Ottoman Empire. And the Ottoman Empire did not, thems- Ottoman- so the Ottomans are not Arabs, they're Turks, but they are Muslim. Um, they ruled through North Africa and, the, and what we would call the Levant, the, the Middle East, um, for, for hundreds of years. But in but around 1900, the Ottoman Empire ruled this land. The Ottomans did not themselves, just like the Romans, did not refer to that land as Palestine. The Ottomans did not. And how do I know this? I actually was curious. I was curious who referred to this land um, as Palestine. And I looked at different primary sources. And I consulted with a historian of the Ottoman uh, period. And we, he, you know, he looked at maps. Uh, and, and there are no maps that were generated by the Ottoman Empire that say Palestine. That they didn't exist. Hmm. What they did refer to the land was in uh, as municipalities. So there was the Damascus municipality and the Jerusalem municipality, but not Palestine. But once again, just like in the previous example of the lie, where you write, you know, oh, you know, Jesus lived in Palestine. Well, he didn't live in Palestine because it didn't exist. Right. And the Ottoman Empire, and you know, there was no Palestine in 1900. Because it was not, it was the Ottoman Empire in 1900. Absolutely, and as well, um, these folks are forgetting to look at the San Remo Treaty in the early, mm. uh, what was it, 1922? 20. San, 1920. Yeah, 1920, uh, where mm-hmm. the Ottoman Empire, after the World War One, the Allied forces said, you know, we've got to divide up all this land. And so mm-hmm. all those nations were created uh, and were given mm-hmm. legal borders. They were under mandates, and Israel was given land themselves. 85% right. of it, which was taken, taken away uh, by the Brits, and Israel was left with 15% of what was promised. But, you know, we talk about this, this illegal occupation, but Israel has the right of existence with their, within their own borders, just like all the other Arab nations that were created mm-hmm. in the San Remo Treaty. Uh, another uh, lie that you uncover is Israel began building its separation wall in the occupied West mm-hmm. Bank in 2022. Ex- explain why that is a lie. Yeah, that, I love that one. I mean, when I say love it, I'm being very sarcastic. Sure. So I want to taste, say two things about that. So the lie is, quote, Israel began building its separation wall in the occupied West Bank in 2002. There is so much in here that is wrong and quite honestly a lie that we could pick apart. But I just, and I'm a big believer in language and using the correct language. Now, the word separation wall is a trigger, okay? Now it's a trigger right. because it's that, that word separation is... Um, the the undertones of colonialism and segregation it's very intentional mm-hmm. whoever wrote this curriculum now the teacher didn't write this curriculum he he just basically uh used it um uh to, to in his classroom but whoever put this uh this language into the curriculum is is a genius because Right there, right away, wow, if you're a student and you know nothing, and once again, you trust your teachers bestowing upon you knowledge and truth, um, this is not just any wall, it's a separation wall, which is so charged with 
that length, that, that history of American segregation and colonialism and apartheid. Um, so what is this wall? It's actually a security wall, right? It's exactly. not a separation wall. Uh, so see the thing, and, and it wasn't, so just so you understand, it says here, Israel began building its separation wall in the occupied West Bank. That itself, occupied in West Bank must be unpacked. But let's say, fine, it began to build this quote-unquote separation wall in 2002. When did Israel gain control over, I like to say it's Judea Samaria, known as West Bank? It actually gained control in 67. So this makes me question, why didn't Israel put this separation wall right away if that's their goal is to separate the, the, Arab, the Arab, Palestinian Arab population from the Jews to be racist? Why did they do it only in 2002? Why did Israel for X amount of years, and I'm terrible with math, from 67 to 2002, did not install this quote-unquote separation wall? Well, this wall was installed as a security wall in response to the Second Intifada. You know, if you're a student, you're like, hmm, why did it build this wall in 2002? Right? Israel was in control of this land since 67. What prompted Israel to create this wall? Well, there was something called the Second Intifada, which obviously followed the First Intifada. The Second Intifada is, was a slew of terrorist and suicide attacks against Israel civilians. Most of the suicide bombers were coming out of cities in Judea Samaria, i.e. West Bank. That is why they put the security wall. Uh, and it's not a separation wall. It's just as much as a separation wall as France has a wall with, I don't know, Spain and America has a wall with Canada and America has a wall with Mexico. It's mm -hmm. just the same kind of wall. But you see the, 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 the goal here, the intent is to demonize and delegitimize the only Jewish country in the world, Israel. Right, and to make them into an apartheid state. But Correct. In, in, I was there <clears throat> during the second intifada nine times, Naya. Wow. And we were doing work with um, uh, Zaka Israel. And so I was riding around in a Magon David Adom ambulance with Zaka volunteers during the mm -hmm. suicide bombings. And we were delivering uh, we were delivering defibrillators to the Jerusalem Fire Department during that time because many of the people in the buses, they didn't mm -hmm. die from shrapnel. They died because their heart stopped with the impact of the suicide bombs. Oh and so I saw firsthand what was happening in these suicide attacks. And I won't go into it, but it was just, it, it was horrible, terrible. And so when this is and going on. people miss that point. Right. They, mi they, yeah, they miss that point. It's like, hmm, I wonder how this wall was built. Why this wall was built? Well, because it was constant suicide attacks and Intifada 1 and Intifada 2. And uh, after the second Intifada, there was a 2,500 Israelis that were maimed by the bombs. There, there, there was, I think, 12 or 1,500 that were murdered. But there was 2,500, and my friend who works for Zaka Israel, um, he was the photographer. He mm -hmm. still has post-traumatic stress syndrome since then. But he was the photographer, and Zaka would go in to these suicide attacks. They would photograph every body part so that they could match hue of the skin and the clothes that may be on a, a limb or a leg and match it to a torso. I mean, 
innocent oh men, God. women, and children were blown to smithereens by these bombs. And uh, just a terrible situation. And so when Israel put up the, the security wall, guess what? Mm-hmm. The, the acts, the suicide bombers stopped. And so it was a way to save innocent men, women, and children. But somehow that just does not make it in the California public school curriculum, you know, the, as you say, the, the truth. That's right. So this is, right. this is amazing, amazing work you're doing, Naya. And I just applaud you and for your courage uh, because this is, you're rooting out something. And, and you know, to, for truth to, uh, to triumph over evil and truth to triumph over lies, you need a truth teller. And you, you need someone like you that's, <laughs> that's bold enough to, and has the expertise, uh, educational expertise, expertise and the mm-hmm. the chutzpah in understanding this to to dive into this public school system like in new york and california and try to make a yeah. difference so Thank how you. how would people if public educators are listening to this today I'm, I'm sure they're inspired by your courage but if if people want to connect with you uh and follow you how do they do that well I just want to say something before I answer that question. You started off with um, quoting the student that I spoke with who wished to remain anonymous. This was a student. So this student was in the classroom where this was being quote unquote taught. And I'm putting this in parentheses because I think it's an affrontery to to education, to learning. Um, But this is, and I say the issue here is not the anti-Semitism. As a historian of anti-Semitism, as a scholar of anti-Semitism, we know anti-Semitism is a barometer test. It's an alarm system that something else is much happening that is much more um, rotten, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I think, of, and that is why I think that at, at the core, what is this is degradating our educational institutions because we are fooling ourselves into thinking that there is learning happening when in reality it's indoctrination and um and propaganda and so for me the anti-semitism here is functioning as a very very important alarm bell that's telling us to 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 wake up and look at what's happening in schools and i remember when i was talking to the parents and we had a strategic call like what what do we do now how do we put pressure on the school and i I said, and I think, or even the father said, well, what if I had a math teacher who was just teaching incorrect axioms? What would the school do? This is, this is incorrect. It's historically incorrect. It's full of lies. It's full of lies that are meant to foment and incite hate towards another group. Um, And so, which is, which is a mockery of, of, of schools in California, which institute DEI trainings that are meant to make students feel more included and diverse. And what do these curriculum actually produce? Students who are basically ready to pick up the mantle, shout on the streets, and call for the genocide of Israel and the Jewish people in Israel. So that's the greatest irony. But Mm -hmm. we must save our schools. We must save our schools from these lies. Uh, And and it makes me wonder, what else? Now I want to know, what else is being taught in history in English literature class, uh, language classrooms, because if this is a lie, what else are, and these are history teachers. Right. So it's, it's, it's mind boggling, but uh, to get a hold of me, so um, you, nialect.com, my website, um, you, I'm, 
active on Instagram, Naya Lect. Uh, I have a Twitter or X account, also Lect Naya. Um, and I am putting together, I have put together curriculum and lesson plans. And my goal is to help teachers who are teaching right now in schools. So please, if you're a teacher, please reach out um, to me. Uh, you could reach out to me on social media, um, through Instagram or LinkedIn, uh, or my email I could give, which is nlect at gmail.com. Um, as I'm beginning to work with different schools, both private and public, in training teachers and giving them, offering them alternatives to teaching about the Middle East. Do, do me a favor, Naya, spell out your email address for us. N is in Nancy, L is in Larry, E, K is in Kangaroo, H is in Harry, T as in Tom, at Gmail. Great. So if you're listening today, a great place to start would be this article. You can just Google it. It's in the Jewish Journal. January 18th, 2024, and the title of Naya's article is Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Jew? Lies Taught About Israel and Jews in the Public School Classroom. So, Naya, thank you so much for being with me today on Israel yeah, and thank You. Thank you. And I'm sure I'm going to have you back again. This is fascinating. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron.